Welcome to Black and Brown, a podcast where three black guys get to share their love of bourbon. We talk about current events, we conduct interviews, and good old-fashioned shit-talking. Our hosts, Bill, Anthony, and Delvin, will keep you informed on what's going down with that brown. On the season five finale, we chop it up with bourbon royalty. None other than Freddie Noah of Beam Suntory. We talk about the past, present, and future of the bourbon industry, and how his little book expression is driving innovation at Jim Beam. Best of all, we rock with the live Zoom audience of some of our homies from the Black Bourbon Run, who will also be sipping on Little Book Chapter 5. Okay, pour one up with us as we bring an end to Season 5 with Chapter 5. Cheers. So welcome to the Black and Brown Podcast. I'm your man, A. Colbert, The Plug. And as always, I'm here with my fam, Dub A. Stevens. What's up, fam? What's going on, cousin? Good to see you, brother. <laughs> Chilling. And our producer, Delvin Joyce, The People's Choice. Dumb people's choice. What's the deal, fam? <laughs> What's going on, man? Hey, I'm just over here celebrating damp January, bro. That's it, man. A little moist. And this is different for us. So our last show of the season, we brought in, um, coordinated by our man, Black Bourbon Maverick. We got the fam in the Zoom with us. We have the one and only bourbon royalty, Mr. Freddie No. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> that, that baritone gets me hey, dog, every time. Hey, dude, a, like a, mug, boy. a man of few words, but they carry yes, volume. Looking like so, Travis Kelsey over there. Oh, snap. I'll tell you what, I've, I've heard that before. Oh, for real? <laughs> I've heard that before, yeah. I, are you a football that fan? One some of the other ones I've had, you know, growing up, I, <clears throat> I had some funny names from compared to guys in town. I'm like, I don't look like that guy. You so, just like you. I'm like, ah. So, so what, would give you more, what would give you more pull around your parts? Like, would it be Travis Kelsey or being Freddie No? Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. I'd st- I, you know, football. You know, football is, is king everywhere. So right. I, I don't know. I, it, it probably give me a run for its money being Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Yo, I would hustle that. Hard. I don't know, man. After tasting this little book, I don't know, bro. I'm gonna tell you something. Every everywhere I go, legit people are like, "Is that Idris Elba? Is that Idris Elba?" And I'm like, "Nah, bro." I mean, what you mean, standing next to you or something? <laughs> <laughs> You're not that guy. His little brother. (laughs) (laughs) So, Freddie, I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to some of the shows, but the way we like to have our guests on, we like to ask three questions to get things started, kind of break the ice, and then we move into the meat and potatoes, as my cousin likes to say. So the first question is, I mean, we have that one uh, drink or cocktail that made us fall in love with the brown. I mean, you basically grew up with proof in your blood. So for you, what was that one that introduced you to the brown? I'm, I'm actually glad you asked that question because, you know, a lot of people think, you know, as, as all of us are here, I see most people, it looks like are sipping, sipping neat, which yes, sir. you're, you know, when you're um, doing a tasting, I, I think doing, uh, doing it neat is the best way to start. You can assess a lot of the flavors, then add water from there. But, you know, coming into the whiskey, I kind of started like everybody, you know, you grab a bottle of whiskey and, and pour a little shot of it. I said this, there's not, a, I've never met a person that said their first shot of whiskey, they liked it. I, <laughs> it, it, it got, it always, cause it's not what you expect. Right. So I'm glad you asked that question. So for me, I started out drinking Jim Beam black with Sprite. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, wow. I always knew my, my dad, he always reached for Jim Beam black a lot. So as I started getting into, into drinking whiskey and being at events with him or, or at dinners, I would grab Jim Beam black, but I, yeah, it would take me a while to, to get one down with, with a knee or on the rocks. And I always heard him say, if, 
if you make a face or, or, you know, it's not pleasing to your palate, it's too strong. Cut it yeah. down to the you like. And so I started, you know, I like a little fizz and I thought Sprite's kind of a little bit neutral. Yeah. And so I got to where I really liked that combination. I just noticed myself over the time just putting less and less Sprite and then it became Jim Beam Black on the rocks. And then it kind of became, you know, where whiskey neat became something I could actually palate, right, and enjoy. Uh, oh, that's cool. Jim yeah, that's dope. Sprite's kind of where it got me going. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a fan of a lot of your brands you have. I think my favorite is the old Granddad 114. That's like, a, oh, that's, oof, a- that's my <laughs> joint right there. You know what I'm saying? Man, I mean, Bro, I mean uh, that's a cinnamon stick, though. Bro, it's great. Hey, yes, I gotta be honest though, Jim and Sprite. <laughs> Come on, dog. I mean, that... you started with you started with something with honey in it, bro. Come no, on. no, 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 for sure. <laughs> I get it. I'm just, I just never would have thought about bourbon and Sprite. Like, I think, no. of, I think of bourbon or whiskey and dark, like a dark soda, like a Coke. Coke. Yeah, so I never, I never yeah. really or heard ginger ale, ginger ale, ginger ale. That's I, what my grandmother drank. You know and. It's funny because my dad would tell that story of, of drink it how you please. You know, there's a lot of pretentiousness, I think, that comes with whiskey for some reason. Oh, for sure. You know, I, I, and for I sure. hate that. Yeah. I wish that everybody could just kind of come in and it just, you know, you know, you got the guys making cocktails at the bar and they're flipping the glass and it, mm. it makes you think you can't make a cocktail at home. I, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like, oh. um, I just think any way you can kind of get people into whiskey um, is great. And my my grandmother, you know, Married to Booker No, she drank Jim Beam White Label and ginger ale her whole life. And my dad said, I've never seen my dad give her a shit about it once. And, <laughs> and my dad never did. And I never did either. You know, it, you, you got to you, you drink it to enjoy it. Right. And hopefully with in this case, it looks like you guys got a nice group of, of, of folks you get together and drink with and, and talk about bourbon. So very similar to us. You know, you, you want to enjoy it when you're getting together with the group. You don't want to want to have something you don't like. So it's always been about enjoying the whiskey we make that's that's our big family mantra really right that's that's awesome, real tough yeah that's right. dope i mean there are other outliers like you have that one friend who would like put an ice cube in your joint or whatever but i mean you accept <laughs> that and you keep it moving <laughs> hey, hey, hey freddie freddie you know. from here from here on out when you put a cube in your whiskey it's called yeah. von ghost style right so it's just, called von just ghost. write that down yeah, yeah. i do that a lot make, make it happen <laughs> you know as we're making new whiskeys people drink it you know hopefully like what I'm just saying, how they enjoy it. So maybe it is water or ice. So a lot of times I'll use a cube of ice, take a sip, let the ice melt. You know, the whiskey really opens up, changes its flavor as yeah. that ice melts. And so as we're kind of finalizing new products, I often do go, go to that. So I'll have to, I'll have to use my wife. I can see her rolling her eyes. Now I always <laughs> up with new things to say. And she's like, can you just say whatever you're talking about? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Bongo style. That's cool. Bongo That's cool. It's, it's going it's to hit. It's going to catch, man. We're going to start it. So, so the second question we like to roll into is like, being that you're in the industry, you know, and you probably get access to some dope bottles from people or some connections at other distilleries and whatnot without drinking some honey barrels at your own spot. Is there one bottle that's hard to find that you're out there looking for? Ooh. So there's one that I'm always looking for, and it's got a really cool connection to me. My dad, again, a lot. We're, our family's about telling stories, so I got, I'm, I'm full of stories. I love it, man. Run it's always talk it. about stealing that Jim Beam Black out of my granddad's cabinet, and they had a cleaning lady, and um, my dad got accused of stealing this whiskey when he was young, <laughs> and um, essentially the cleaning lady was taking drinks before she was leaving. She's filling her, her glass up and leaving with, with uh, whiskey, 
My wow. granddad thought it was my dad. My dad got sent to military school and it was still <laughs> happening. So he, he apologized. He sent my dad a letter and gave him 20 bucks and said, I'm sorry, you know, uh, the cleaning lady, uh, Edna, she was she was having a drink in the evening and just wasn't telling her. You know, it wasn't that big of a deal at that point, but he was all up in dad's ass. And so, but then you know, later, he tells the story. He goes, later on in life, I, you know, I, you know, you tell your dad's things. He said, I said, Dad, you know, when you accuse me of stealing, he said, yeah, I know. I thought I made it right giving you a letter and, and saying sorry. And he said, no, no, no. I was just going to tell you. Whenever I'd go in the cabinet and get the bottles, I wouldn't get the ones you were drinking out of. I'd go to the back of the cabinet and take the full ones out. Yeah, yeah. Me and Edna were <laughs> mixing it up. Right. Don't get me and Edna mixed up there. But so, but so Dad always talked about Jim being black from the, the, the late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, we've evolved that brand. The age went from 101 months to eight years old. And now we're kind of blending it to a, a profile. It went from 90 proof. Now it's at 86. Um, and so dad talked about these bottles and he actually got gifted one, mm-hmm. brought it home. And um, and for fourteen ninety nine, it was a it was a liter of Jim Beam Black from 1978. And it came with the, you know, the, the, the little hang you know, kind of value-added pack there. You hang a, a 50 ml or, a, you know, a, <laughs> something on there. It had a yeah. door knocker, a Jim Beam door knocker on there. Oh, snap. And for $14.99. I about that's fell out of the crazy. chair when I said But I'll be honest with you, that's the best whiskey. I, it, it, there's a lot of nostalgia, obviously, you know, with my dad talking about that story. But just the, the, the 101 months, you know, it's over eight years old. A lot of flavor there. 90 proof. Mm-hmm. You know, filtration wasn't really as big of a thing back then. It was a lot lighter. So there's a lot more flavor coming through from the barrel. Uh, so anytime I, you know, I look around, if I see any of those bottles popping up, I, I try to get my hands on them quite often. I've probably got four or five here, but that's one that I, I guess I'd say will always be on that hard to find. Yeah. Uh, but, but keep kind of going back to the well for. So yeah. hopefully I didn't get you guys onto something and now it'll be even harder to find. Oh, yeah. You know, just yeah, right yeah, hey, man. Hey, you should have come to yourself, brother. Yeah, because people are going to hear this and be like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. let me add that to my list. You know what I mean? But the cool thing about that is, like, next year, when we come down in September, maybe we'll get a chance to connect and, you know, sit around, hear those stories and, you know, get a little taste. Yes, sir. I'll tell you what, I keep a bottle in my office. So it just, just bring us bring his story back up. We'll be sitting around up there, and, and I'll bring it out and let you guys try it because I promise you, it's it's really good whiskey. Oh, nice, that's fire. Fantastic. So, so, so the final question before we get into um, the tasting, and then we'll have some more questions develop as we get through that and everything is: so bourbon has the nose, has the palate, and what we've come up with our podcast, our group, um, we also say that bourbon has an ear, right? So with that bottle you're looking for, that one that's close to your heart, what do you get on the ear when you oh. when you drink that or when you sip that and when you're just kicking it? I'll be honest, my wife rolled her eyes when I told her you guys were asking this question again because she's like, you never get asked about music. <laughs> you love music so much. But to be honest with you, you know, I grew up in an era where hip-hop was king. So I listened to a lot of hip-hop, a lot of old hip-hop. Okay. Some new hip-hop. And, you know, I use the ride home and to work a lot mm-hmm. to reflect on whiskey or to maybe reflect on some innovation things we're trying to work on. And, you know, the background music's always playing. And I noticed it, you know, a lot when I, music that's kind of uplifting, you know, versus kind of uh, downing or, you know, telling kind of sob stories. I noticed that it really does fuel your curiosity if you're already kind of thinking in a kind of curious state. So, 
anything really uh, to, to, to be to be honest with you. I've been listening to some Kanye here lately. And I wasn't a big fan of Kanye when I was younger, to be honest. Um, but as I've gotten older, listening to the lyrics and just um, a lot of some of his stuff is really upbeat. It really kind of gets me in that 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 mode. Wow! Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the, the old Kanye, though. The old Kanye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like, no, he like new Kanye. No, he was the old Kanye. The old Kanye. Though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, new Kanye, crazy. Yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of uh, interesting thoughts, though. I think he's yeah. a very deep man i really i think he's got a he's very knowledgeable very smart too that's yeah he I, is he is yeah. yeah that's really what turned me on to some of his music i watched a couple of interviews and i was like i'm gonna go back and listen to some of this i hadn't heard it in a while yeah, yeah, yeah so so you get me in a little trouble here so i'd be remiss if i wouldn't pin it down and say what track though because my, my man delvin joyce the virgo he is is gonna pin you down later and say but we need a song though because you get off too easy just an <laughs> artist i mean well, if he was gonna make me give a song I don't know that I would go Kanye. Let me let me think about it for a second. <laughs> and, and by the way, I I worked out before we we started recording, <laughs> and I worked out the Donda. But <laughs> so wow, I mean, I like Donda, man. I think it's underrated. I, no I mean, listen, I see the illest villain giving me the thumbs down. Donda yeah. is underrated. As you know what? Watch this. Watch this though. As the illest villain is sitting there chilling on his couch, watch I don't this. Know, man. That new Nas album, Magic. Yo, yeah, I pure fire. <laughs> <laughs> Donda just has too many tracks. Nah, dog. That's the, that's the Listen, point. I've listened to that Nas album Magic from start to finish eight times, bro. Freddie, if you haven't heard it, go I on my Spotify. I'll share it with you. It's you Magic. Magic. Nas. It came out the Man. end of last year. That joint from, from Speechless to Wave Gods on repeat. It's spicy on that track? I don't know. It could be, bro. It could okay. be. I mean, you, you have to look. All right, time, time's uh, up, Freddie. Yeah, time's up. You stalled you long track, enough. Give, us, give us a track, man. All right, all right, all right. So I, I don't know. I'll go. So one that I've been listening to a lot, again, because, again, I've, I've lately just trying to get some curiosity going. I really like the DJ Khaled with every chance I get. Mm, okay. The, the lyrics of that, man, I just love how it just, like, DJ flows. DJ Khaled, huh? Love the flows, man. It gets you hype? Yeah, it does. It just <laughs> gets me hype. I, I walk in the office now, you know, I'll be all giddy. They're like, <laughs> I, you know, I got my ear buddy and they don't know what, what's going on, but yeah, right, I, that's I like that a lot. But I'll be honest with you, the Kanye I've been listening to is College Dropout. That's the album. Oh, come on. That's man. The album. I mean, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a classic. Come on. Now. That's, yeah, that's a classic. You, you can almost classic. get a pass with that joint. That, yeah. that album is fire. Yeah, Instant that's classic. a classic. Yeah. Instant classic. Hey, so, College Dropout sure. on the ear. That's hot. So one quick question before we move into the tasting, because I know that's what everybody's here for. I mean, and I've yeah. been sipping my my little book and I know everybody's probably waiting to get into it. But at what point did you know, like you wanted to to follow in the footsteps of the family business and go down that path? It, you know, I'd say it wouldn't be one time. It's probably like two or three markers of things that happened that made me really like kind of maybe kind of like jarred my brain to think about what was available, what it was about, right? Mm-hmm. The first one would be, you know, my granddad passed away when I was 16 and you know, he had had some, some health complications and was needing to actually take a foot off. And he kind of said, I want to go out of this world the way I came in it. And so they gave him a couple of weeks to live, to live. And so we got to talk a lot about, you know, life and things like that. And that really my dad, says, it's kind of funny, your granddad's the only person that can have his wake while he's still alive. He had buddies come visit him, you know, <laughs> kind of said his last piece with almost everybody, right? Oh, man, that's mm-hmm. So, you know, just talking with him and then seeing the number of people that came to his wake, actually, after he passed, 
and the, the inspiration that he had done for them in their career, you know, or even just talked about how my family had given them a career and been a part of the industry and that my granddad meant so much to them. It really started me to think about it because he said to me right before he passed, uh, you know, he'd let me smell whiskey a lot when I was a kid, asked me which bottle I, you know, which, which glass I liked. Um, never, he kind of looked at me puzzling quite a bit and I was nervous as hell every time he did, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> he said, when you get older, he said, I think you'll do good in the bourbon industry, boy. I think you got a good opportunity there. But he said, one thing I want to tell you is if it's not in your heart, don't do it. You'll Ooh. probably get a lot of pressure from people at the company, you know, to be carrying on as the eighth generation, you know, that's a, a long lineage to be the kind of one guy to, to tote the next kind of boat. Right. And he said, you'll get a lot of pressure, but he's like, just know from me, your dad and, and all your ancestors, if it's not in your heart, don't do it because that's what this is about. It, it, if you accept that, you, you come into it and you, you kind of take care of this brand and this thing that my family's kind of taken care of. And I didn't know a lot of what he was. I mean, I knew a little bit what he was talking about. I was yeah. young, but then to hear all those stories, you know, just about three weeks or so after we had that conversation, it really got my wheels turning to get in the industry. Um, and I think another turn, I went to Chicago and did a marketing internship. And I seen how many people actually touched my family's name mm -hmm. uh, through agencies, through marketing team members, through the distillery, you know, sales force. There's just so many different people that touch, touch my family's brands. Um, it really kind of, kind of shocked me again, and I, you know, to think that I could kind of help keep something that my family started alive. And, and what really, I say that in, in the bourbon industry, even, you know, my family is kind of very tied to the roots of bourbon making in its, in its infancy all the way, all the way through. So to think I could carry that on, you know, it kind of over time shifted. And then the last one would be a conversation I had with our former CEO, Matt Shattuck who asked if I would let him, he wanted to be my mentor and kind of keep up with me as I was coming into uh, finishing college and, and wanted me to be in the industry um, and, and wanted to be a, a kind of a, a place I could, could go to and reflect and, and, and he could help me out. And just to know that somebody outside of my parents were, were interested in what I had going on. I mean, obviously, right. I, I could have been, uh, I could have been the talk of the town of, I didn't do it and it'd be on his watch, you know, I'm sure there's a little bit of him looking out for himself in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really think that he reached out, you know, I was still in college, to be honest with you guys, I wasn't doing the greatest in college. I like to, to have a good time and class was kind of second, right? Yes. Like a lot of, um, so, you know, he kind of come at me at a, at a good time, really, um, and grabbed me and I, and I was still dating my wife at the time and, and I, I told her, I said, that man really, uh, really inspired me to kind of do this now. Like, I think that's really what I want to do because he let me know that the opportunity was there, right? Like I'd heard it, but it from coming from someone different, it kind of struck. Right. Actually got uh, pretty good grades from there on out and finished up school pretty quickly. And, and the rest is kind of history. But so I'd say those kind of three, four kind of things right there really kind of solidified it over time because it is a lot, right? You know, if you, if you kind of yeah, think yeah, yeah. about it, mm -hmm. um, 
if you let it be, I guess, right? It can become a lot to, to say you're kind of carrying on this huge burden for 226 years now. Right. No doubt. Eight generations, you know what I mean? I know, yeah, but you guys are heavy. like, you know, bourbon, you know, um, royalty for real. Yeah. Well, that well, that's what I was going to ask because, yeah. I mean, I followed your career. You're a humble guy. And I can't say that I would be as humble. Like, real, <laughs> of not. real talk, like if... If Freddie no, I, I mean, I mean Booker no, and Jim Beam were my ancestors, right? To quote Kanye, y'all couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> <Fact>. So, <laughs> but 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 with that though, of course, comes a lot of pressure. So, you know, first off, was there? Did you feel that pressure? And and secondly, what are some things that you did to to kind of get over that? I didn't feel a lot of it, to be honest. Most. Like I said, my granddad kind of laid it out there to me. He's like, don't feel pressure. It's this is your life. That's one big thing that my dad has even said. He calls it my ride. And he's talking about my life or my career. You know, people ask, you know, what's Freddie think? Well, you know, what's he want to do next? Is there other things he wants to work on? But he says, you need to talk to him. That's his ride. You know, and, <laughs> and I respect him for that. And it's kind of helped take a lot of the pressure off because there's not expectations that he's saying for me, right? He's not setting expectations for me. He's letting me set my own expectations. And I just kind of, you know, I, I, I live kind of by a mantra of, of be a better person every day, like be better than you were yesterday. It's not about being the best person in the world. It's just about being better than you, than you are every day. And so I try to take that to work a lot as well about learning. And one other thing my granddad said was, if you do go in the industry, you can learn something there every day. There's, it's just a, a vast array of knowledge. And, and I thought he was, was full of shit, to be honest, but <laughs> I've seen that there's so much to learn to, about changing flavor of whiskey and how you make whiskey. Um, and I, I try to take that mantra just across a lot of my life. And, and I, to be honest, that kind of helps take the pressure off because you start stumbling on things and, and you smell something. And, and, you know, like for instance, working on little, everybody thought I was crazy to do a blended whiskey coming from a bourbon background, kind of given the history that blended whiskey in America had, but I, I went to work and I had a couple of folks in the lab I worked with. And when I got to that first chapter and, and where I really thought it was, was final, I kind of smelled it. And I, and I kind of laughed to myself because I knew people were going to question the living hell out of me. Right. When you smell that whiskey, you taste that whiskey. It makes you clam up real damn fast to say anything negative about blending whiskey. Yeah. And my dad was one of them, you know, he was worried, right? Obviously kind of looking out for me. Like, yeah, I don't know if you want to put your name to that, you know, <laughs> when I took that whiskey to him, I, I, he's never questioned it another day since then. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. And, and like I said, I stumbled on it through the curiosity of, of learning to be a distiller. What's, you know, we use corn, rye and barley in making bourbon in the mash. Right. And I just wondered, you know, if you took corn whiskey, rye whiskey and malt whiskey and blended them, would it taste like bourbon or how close would it even taste to Jim Beam if you did it close to that same percentage of grain we used? And that's literally how Little Book was was stemmed, was just through that curiosity. And So you just came home. up with that. I mean, you, you just was, you know, at home watching TV and so, you know what, let's blend whiskeys together at the same percentage of a mesh bill. I mean, literally, just, my wife thinks I'm crazy because we'll be sitting there watching <laughs> TV and she'll be like laughing or Say something, and she'd be like, "You're not even paying attention to this. What are you thinking about?" I'm telling her, and she's like, "Why the hell are you thinking about that right now?" And I'm just like, <laughs> "It just pops in my head, and I have like, I just have to keep exploring the thought that's there." And 
It's That's really a bad. super dope thought, though. Yeah, but and I mean, we appreciate also, that shit. Yeah, but it also gives you know give you know you know give him some credit to do something different from you know from his family too. You know, kind of you know put his own stamp on things as well. Right. Yeah. You know. You know. So that's, you know, a lot that's of it. Too, nice. It's just. It's honoring stuff I've learned. Without the knowledge from my family of whiskey making, I don't think I would had that curiosity to come up with the idea. So a lot of and, – and, and the whiskeys I'm using, some of them were made by my granddad. A lot of them were made by my dad. Um, you know, the latest chapter we have here is the first one where all but one of the whiskeys is actually made by myself uh, in the distillery. The rest of it was, you know, of all the prior chapters – was made before I was actually at work a lot of it, or, or maybe in the infancy of my career as a bottling supervisor or, or doing other things. So, um, you know, it's all just through the, the one and, and the, the, I guess really for me, the need to learn more about the whiskey my family has made and then how I can kind of take that forward to, to invite more people into bourbon. I think, I do think bourbon has a lot of flavor to offer more than other spirits and right. if we could make bourbon the world's whiskey, I think that people would be a lot happier with what's in their glass. And from yeah. my from my perspective, so Absolutely. there'd be less there'd be less wars. Yeah, right. Less wars. So my dad so, says that a lot. Actually, he says, you know, if we're in conflict, if you just set our leaders down, you know, whether it's you know war or, or you know any kind of conflict, right. set them down with a glass of bourbon in a room and nothing else, just a table, two glasses of bourbon, two chairs. <laughs> and I bet you they would come out laughing and smiling. Not That's a fact. Or snoring. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever you come up, you know, you know, uh, with your different blends, um, as far as the age of the whiskey that you, you know, you go into blending, you know, you know how you come with that. I mean, you know, how you, you know, find the, the perfect marriage, you know, with, you know, with the age of uh, whiskeys. A lot of it comes from, you know, we've got all these other brands like Knob Creek, Basil Hayden, Booker's. Uh, you know, Jim Beam, Jim Beam Black, other things too that I've been working on that we haven't got a brand for yet. So I'm tasting a lot of our inventory for quality checks. And so I'm coming across, I'm coming across a lot of these barrels or, or, or maybe even if I'm not, I have a team that works in the blending department and their job is the quality and, and basically replication batch after batch after batch. So they're tasting these barrels on their birthday a lot of times. And, and if, if you know, they know, what I kind of like to like to taste or, or you know, if the, things I look for for little book now, especially they may earmark them in the computer and then we get together and I have a kind of a session where we talk about what, you know, what's, what's out there, what, what's kind of stirring you guys curiosity or what's some whiskey that just floored you when you tasted it. And sometimes that's how we get to, to start working on those. So a lot of it just comes through, you know, working on the kind of large portfolio we have, I come across a lot of, of unique barrels that sit in a lot of very differentiated locations of our warehouse. So what's the oldest whiskey that you've ever blended in some of your oldest whiskey? So this chapter you've got right here has got the oldest whiskey I've ever blended with. Mm. Uh, well, I guess in American whiskey, um, I've used, in, in chapter two, I used a 40-year-old Canadian whiskey. Uh, but what? it's what? I mean, even in... I've got the bottle of Little Book Chapter Five here. Even at forty years old, this this here, which the oldest is fifteen, and the majority of this blend is actually comprised of two to five year old whiskey. Um, that is much darker than that sample of that forty year old Canadian. 
because they use a lot of uh, once used barrels, maybe from us, scotch makers. Um, and also their climate's a lot milder. So there's not as much in and out of interaction with that wood. Um, so even at 40 years old, it's got a lot different interaction level and flavor coming from the barrel. Uh, where here in Kentucky, we've got this crazy climate. I mean, honestly, I could have wore shorts uh, a couple of weeks ago. And now here uh, it's it's frigid cold for the last two weeks. And I think it's supposed to warm up this weekend into the 60s again. So <laughs> that, that climate and then and in the summertime, it'll get up in, in the hundreds with humidity. That, that huge swing from cool to hot really helps drive the in and out flavor you can get from that barrel. So I, that's kind of why we think bourbon here in Kentucky is, is partial. So you, I've used a 40 year old, but to be honest, the probably for me, this whiskey, this 15 year old Jim Beam in chapter five of little book probably has the most barrel uh, extractive flavor, you know, most from the barrel flavor. Uh, right. A little bit younger age, obviously, right? Almost a little bit less than half, actually. So, wow, nice. Maybe I missed it when you were talking about this because I was so caught up in the aromas coming out of this glass that I'm ready for you to lead us through this tasting. But anyway, um, what was your inspiration for this chapter five? Was it because this is mainly your all your distillate? That's kind of where it come from, um, it, and it didn't start with that. You know, as you see, I've got a two year old bourbon, a three year old yeah. uh, malted rye here. Um, a five-year-old bourbon as well. You know, those are young whiskeys, right? And, and according to a lot of how people's palates are in, in premium bourbons today or premium whiskey. Um, but I was excited because I think whiskey at young age has a place to live. There really is a place for it. It's a very different flavor than the whiskey from that 15-year Knob Creek or that 15-year-old uh, Jim Beam I put in this blend. Um, but so... You know, I was eager to share these with the world, obviously, right? It's something new, something it was malted rye. You don't see a lot of that outside of the box. Uh, but it was always the whiskey had to do the talking and be ready to be shared. Uh, but I think these whiskeys go together really well. And so I was eager to taste these. And when I tasted them and I, I've kind of felt they'd gotten over a lot of the youth, you know, that kind of makes things very uh, grainy, very singular at, at young age. They had matured a little bit, and so I started blending with them, and that's really what started it. I ended up using that 15-year just because it, it, it had a lot of, of great kind of like dried cherry, almost leathery notes, and it was really, when I started putting that in there, it's actually the smallest uh, whiskey percentage in this uh, blend, and it, it just really started to drive the complexity across your palate you know a lot mm. of people talk about kind of depth and breadth and that would be kind of width or width and, 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 and depth across your palate and when I think when I'm blending with little books specifically I'm doing it to be purposeful to expand people's flavor palettes in American whiskey so I think the nose needs to, to grab your attention or be be something that's interesting um, and it, all the way from the first sip in the front of your palate <coughs> As it trickles across, I'm, I'm a very keen um, person that I really look for a strong finish. Now, it doesn't have to be overpowering, but yeah. a finish that that reminds you of the whiskey and keeps right. you kind of staying around. Right. I, and I actually kind of try to pride myself on, even with, with Little Book being at cast strength, having this whiskey be something that's very palatable for cast strength and the finish be oh, very yeah. enjoyable at at, at bottling strength. 
Yeah, so, I, I, so, I, I, I'm sorry, Devin. Our technical guru, I know his mouth is watering because I'm ready to hit this mug. <laughs> yeah, so, but you know, real quick, Devin, before we go into that, man, so I'm going to put you on the spot there, Freddie. So what's your favorite yeah. chapter so far? I mean, you know, mm. can you, I mean, I mean, can you rank them? Oh, good question. That's a good one. <laughs> Let's see. I would say three, one, five, four, two. Bill, write that down. I, already, I got it already, brother. Three, one, three, five, one five, four, two. Got it. Yep. <clears throat> and the reason why isn't even so much about the whiskey. It is a little bit. I think that's what kind of makes some of them pop over the other ones. But the story of being able to tell that I blended the small batch creation for chapter three that my granddad was kind of really what spurred a lot of people's curiosity in the, in the bourbon boom that we're living in today. So to be able to blend those, those four whiskeys together and tell that story of how much of an inspiration my granddad was to me as a distiller, to me as a human, uh, that's a very prideful story for me. And that whiskey to me is, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, chapter one, because it's kind of like the one that, that it was kind of my coming out party a lot. And there's a lot of very wide flavor that comes out with that corn whiskey at 13 years old, six-year-old high rise, six-year-old 100% malted barley, and then some four-year bourbon at cast strength as well. There's a lot of flavor pulling in different directions. And to me, if I was going into blending I don't know that I would pick a very, any different whiskey combination to kind of say, here is, you know, the eighth generation beam distiller doing a blend. Uh, I think the way I did it and, and how the flavor came out, I don't know that I would rewrite it any differently. So that's why that one kind of comes in in right there behind it. Uh, and then I would say four following up very close with the story about my dad. Um, he's who I've worked beside and, and underneath, you know, I, a lot of people compare me to my grandfather and our curiosity and kind of in our, my path um, to kind of how, who I've become. But all of that comes from my, my dad being there to answer those silly ass questions I had about what, what, what about what made our whiskey different about why is that important? Because I, when you have a curious person and you tell them, well, we don't mess with that. They don't like that. Right. They want to know why. And if you don't ever mess with it, it's kind of hard to understand why you don't, why you don't, right? So yeah. there's been times we've had some tough conversations. We've argued, he's cussed, I've cussed, but it's it's <laughs> all for the betterment of what we're doing. Um, and so to honor him, I think that's what makes that one be the top three. And, and those three are very, very close, uh, um, in, in my opinion. Nice, oh, nice. Very nice. So this one coming right there too is, it's a lot of my whiskeys coming out of the distillery that my curiosity brought about. So it's, it's right there. Uh, uh, the four of those are really close. So, so we are getting an opportunity tonight to, to, okay. to, to drink this chapter five, right? Yep, so yes, we yeah. all got the chapter five. We got our black bourbon run brethren, brethren. On, on this call who are also enjoying the chapter five. So as we open this up, as we pour it into our Glencairns, as we start to nose it, what should we be looking for? What, what should we be thinking about? I think hopefully at first it kind of takes you off guard a little bit. Because I think when you use malted rye, it adds a very different element. Um, sometimes it, it, it comes off a little bit earthy to some people. Yes. Yeah, um, and that. that is very apparent, especially at the younger age. That's, that's the grain really talking to you. Um, 
a lot of people give rye a, a lot of spice characteristic. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is due. But when you when you bought that grain, that really goes away. And this, this malting process pulls out a little bit more kind of herbaceous almost. Um, I've had a couple of people say almost like a pepperminty when they've tasted the malted rye by itself. Yeah. Um, like a peppermint or, or kind of like, uh, almost like, like a, a Burt's Bees, um, mm. uh, lip balm. If y'all ever smelled or, or, or tasted, it's like almost menthol. I, not to, I hate to compare to a cigarette, but <laughs> so like kind of menthol-y menthol, or even like Vicks Vaporub, another one. Another Uh-oh. Uh-oh. One. Uh-oh. Yeah. So I got a lot of that growing up. Kind of get in that. <laughs> a lot of people kind of think of that right there, um, mm. with malted rye by itself. So I think, those elements probably grab and it kind of shock your palate if you're a traditional bourbon drinker. Uh, but I think you'll start to, if you keep nosing it, you'll get into some of those notes I was talking about from that 15 year, even though it's one of the, or is the lowest percentage and on the lower end, it drives such a dominant profile because it is 15 years in and out of that barrel, picking up all the color from that, and honestly, if you were to taste that whiskey by itself, probably 70 to, to 75% of the flavor you're tasting is coming from something that's occurred in the barrel, that in and out motion. So, mm. you know, very rich in flavor from that as well, kind of picking up hints of that, hints of maybe some cinnamon, even as that kind of uh, mingles together. Uh, but I, I think, again, like I said, I think a, a very differentiated palate from what, what you see. And that's really what I think this one is, is so special for me about little book, because hopefully this spurs curiosity to see there are other American whiskeys out there besides just bourbon, like the malted rye um, or even bourbon that has malted rye in it. Yeah, something that could be utilized. Uh, so I think this to me, again, little books about kind of expanding people's knowledge of what's available in American whiskey from flavor, from, from grain even. So um, hopefully this nose and this aroma really opens up a lot of people's uh, curiosity. Bro, like, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. don't I don't know if it's the power of sub- suggestion, but I'm going to yeah. pack a Newport's on the nose. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I did ask him. I, mean, I, I know it's a little bit of peppermint in that joint when he was talking about it. Like, yeah. like one of the, one of the, one of the, when he's talking um, about the dampness, man, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What, I'll get that straight those, up Lucy over those here. peppermint candies used to get like in the silver foil wrapper? Peppermint you know what I'm saying? Patties, yeah, peppermint patties. patties. I got yes. that for real a little bit out of the nose mm. when he was talking about it. Someone else mentioned even like, so on the taste of it, like a Andes, have you ever had the chocolate? It's a little ah. Andes. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. From, yeah, yeah. from Olive Garden. Yeah. Chocolate mint, yeah. <laughs> they they reference that because the malting process as well with malted barley, it kind of brings out a little bit of that kind of chocolatey. Um, oh man, you no know, yes. kind of malty. If you ever had a chocolate malt, bring those flavors together, you get a lot of just very differentiation. And then you know, even people have talked about like dried cherries, like chocolate covered dried cherries, because you got such a lot of richness coming from that older whiskey that's in here. Uh, so, like I said, some leather tones as you kind of sip on it. Yeah, it, it really kind of brings all those flavors together here. Yeah, so that's that what I was going to ask. That chocolate oh, note just came real. I mean, it came through really strong. Yeah. yeah. So as we as we transition to the palate and the taste, mm-hmm. I mean, should we be thinking about the same thought process, or is there yeah, anything very, else? Very similar, I think. A little bit um, it, as it kind of goes across your palate, I think it picks up a little bit of heat 
it loses a little bit of its kind of complexity. I think up front in the mid part of your palate, there's a lot of viscosity that goes on. And I think towards the back of your palate, you're starting to pick up some more of that kind of pepperminty. So it's kind of like you're starting to see those flavors pick up more of that fruity, uh, kind of darker, older whiskey flavor coming in up front. And then it's kind of uh, that age that's there is starting to kind of bring a lot of that out in the backside as well into, into the finish. And I think there's a good transition from kind of front palate flavor to that finish. And, and from the back of your tongue, as it kind of goes down with the finish, to me, it's just a very consistent finish. It, it doesn't even almost, to me, doesn't give me the appeal that it's going to be overwhelming. It's got a lot of heat, but it doesn't grow. It just stays very, very, just very like a medium is what I would call it, a medium finish. We're like chapter one, chapter three. I think they're very robust, very long finishes, and they kind of grow, but never to an overwhelming spot. But it almost is a sensation of like, oh, man, I'm going to you know, get kind of choked up. <laughs> and hopefully for a lot of people, it doesn't ever come. But for this one, to me, it just kind of stays at a very, very yeah. medium to, to – to, not too strong, hopefully, to, to a lot of people. Not too strong. No, not strong at all. I literally just had to had to look up the flavor there, of Prairie right? Leggings, yo. It lets you know it's there. And this yeah. is um and this is coming in at 116.8, right? 118.8. 118.8. Okay. I believe. Let me see here. No, you're right. 116.8. Okay. Okay. No worries. Get some glasses. Hey, Silverback, going to check your line now. He's going to check. He's definitely going to check your line. He's going to make you. He's going to make you put it out. So, so would it be unheard of to like to like add a few drops of water into this, or is it best? No, I think it's a great. I mean, honestly, I got a bottle of water. I was sipping all right before. What I like to do, if I've got a glass of water, I'll take my finger and and kind of like dip in and kind of grab at it and put a few drops. Little dropper. Or you okay, so you actually just take your fingers and let you let yeah. the, 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 if I the don't, water you know, Or like this, I'll use this cap right now. A cap full is a good amount for me to start. Oh, okay. I think, again, if, if, if you're getting overpowered at any point, anybody that's sipping on, on whiskey. Nah, no, 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 it's over. great, but I just no, want to know if it changes water, it a little you know, bit. No, I'm not going to lie. The first, the first sip, it was really spicy for me. It was, it was a little hot, but now... I mean, it, I mean, this is straight chocolate to me. Yeah, I got, pr- I, dude. I had to. It's just. Straight I looked up pralines, man. It's just that chocolate and oh, nutty yeah, yeah, flavor, yeah. yo. That's a good one, yeah, right there. Chocolate, me, man. God, you add that water. It just that element of that water just shifts it a little bit. Freddie, Freddie, would you von ghost it though? Von ghost it. All right, I, I, I ain't heard of that one. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> see, see, he forgot it already. He forgot it already. Forgot it. We pull yeah. ice oh, in it. Uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Ice cube. Oh, so what is, spell it out for me. Is it is F it, or B? What's it start with? V as a V N H O S T. No, Von Ghost. I thought, damn, these guys are giving me all kinds of lingo. Remember, do you remember you remember Clover Brand called uh Von Dutch? Yeah. Oh yeah. Remember Von Dutch? Yeah, like that. Like Von Ghost. I hated it. It said Von Drunk. Yeah, exactly. Spencer's. It was hilarious. I come home in high school with that hat, she's like that ain't a good look for you. Same thing. <laughs> we hate it. No ice in the druce. No yeah, ice. Don't, don't vibe. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So I want to tell y'all what I get on the ear on this, by the oh. way. So so this this oh, you got Arius? I got Arius okay. on this, bro. So it was it was so complex. And like everything he 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 started with on the nose, the the pack of cools and the newports. And then I transitioned to the cherry and the prolines and the taste. Bro, this was a workout. 
So, Uh-oh. so, so I got Kanye's workout plan. Oh no! On no. the ear, dog, <laughs> no. from college dropout, which is no, a no. great track. <laughs> great no, track. No, no, no. It's a great track. There's no, a workout, like, bro. There's yeah, a workout. No Kanye. No Kanye in my, in my DMs. I tell you what, a lot of people, you know, I've had people tell me they're just, I love a lot of your work, but I'm just not a fan of Little Book. And I what? think a lot of it is people. They want that that kind of similar flavor, right? When we release bourbon, there, there's a certain spectrum that a bourbon can only be within right. age or proof outside. You know, I mean, there's things we can do, but th- that we do do to differentiate. But, you know, as, as a brand, if you're tasting different Knob Creeks, there's only a flavor profile Knob Creek can ever give you. Right. To mm-hmm. Taste a blend. It, it, it's, it is kind of a workout. I like the way you put that there. I had never used that, but... but complexity is a lot of what blending does to whiskey and it it to me the complexity leads to the curiosity of look listen you know we take we smell we taste we go back we smell we taste you smell things different you taste them differently so to me a blend just brings out a lot of different opportunity to go back to the whiskey i kind of keep going back to the well and 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 you smell different things you, you pick up different elements because you've You've never smelt anything like that before. Most hopefully with Little Book for, for me, that's what it's about is very differentiated, hopefully new to the world. And and it, the first smell it, it and even taste, it can be very shocking to your palate, hopefully. But as you kind of go through the glass, you really start to get an appreciation for the differentiation of flavor and really that see where that complexity that I talk about kind of the layers of flavor that blending can offer. If you if you go real tactical at it and, and and, and build a, a, a build, build a blend kind of from the ground up and let the whiskey come together and do the talking. Wow. I, th- I think a lot of people are like afraid of change, right? Yeah. And yeah, I think always, what you're always. doing is, is, is different for them. Yeah. But it's, it's needed in the industry. Like, so, you know, sometimes different is good, but people have to get, you know, just an exposure to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Sometimes I can't say know. I knew about Little Book until uh, Paul introduced us, but yeah. I'm, a, I'm a quick, I'm a quick fan. Appreciate that, and that's uh, that's what I think Little Book's about. You know, kind of, it's a story of my career. If you look at the kind of chapters, the stories talk about stories of my life, right? Or more so, it's about the journey of whiskey and and me being a curious distiller, and now you know a term, I guess, kind of a blender as well being curious and delivering differentiated flavor. So hopefully it's a story that people latch onto and they keep coming back to because it helps you expand your palate or helps you find, you know, another whiskey that you like because of some of the elements you pick up in, in a little book and you know, it's limited and you can't keep going back into that well too much, right? There's only so many drinks in that bottle, but hopefully, you know, some of these whiskeys in this one, you, you see that malted rye come to life later. You're like, man, I remember when he put that on little book. And you pick that up and you guys pick up that peppermint or even that 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 cool cigarette uh, or, or, you know, <laughs> Newport's Salem. So that's the one. Even Newport's. My buddies and I smoke Newport's and Cool's. My dad always smoked Salem. So I'd steal the Salem's. I like the taste of a menthol, but I didn't want to be like my dad. So I had to get the Newport or the Cool. Right? <laughs> uh, but that's where it comes from. But you know what I'm saying? You'll, you'll think of that again. You guys will laugh. And that, that to me, that's what whiskey is, is all about is, is kind of keeping stories going, keeping elements of things, you know, share. And then and you'll share it with other people, right? Other people you guys interact with with whiskey, not just this small group. But 
So that's what it's about for me. And, and so I'm, I'm glad to hear we've got another follower of the little book story. Yes, sir. So that's dope. Yeah, no, see, I think it's good that a story distillery like you guys did something bold with doing the blends, right? Because, you know, with, with me, you know, being a new uh, bottle shop liquor store owner, um, I listened a lot to my customers. And when I first bought the liquor store, little, I had uh, chapter three on the shelf and I opened that up and I was, I was a huge fan of it. And then I would sample my customers as I was trying to bring in some of the big bourbon hitters and they, they weren't fans of, of, of the blend, right? And I didn't understand it at that time until now, a year later, um, I understand kind of what the blending yeah. process is. And then two, kind of what a bold mood it, it is for somebody like you to do. I myself, I think you know, for the bourbon community, uh, to progress, we need to do different things. You know, like I like what Barrel Bourbon's doing. I know sometimes they get a, a bad rap for what they're doing, right? But when I, I open them up and I let my customers uh, uh, sample them, you know what? Then they, some some change, some are just kind of stuck, stuck to their ways. Um, but it, it can be risky, right? Because what, uh, what you guys are doing or anybody's doing blends, the consistency is something that might change with each chapter, right? And so, um, and I think that's a good thing. So you might maybe get some people that didn't like the first chapter, but might like the second one or third or fourth. And, um, and there, so for me, I, I like that. I, that's what's fun about drinking bourbon. And I think it's a, it's a good thing. I'm right there with you. I think, you know, that's, again, that's kind of what little book's about is if every one of them brings someone into the industry that maybe they tried chapter one, they didn't like, maybe they tried two, three, four, and then finally this fifth one, they're like, now I understand, right? Like it opened up to them. So that's what it's about. It's not about people liking them all. I, I would say, you know, if if you like certain things, you may not like chapters of Little Book. And if you pay, you know, it, it's a premium because I'm using some very small niche pockets of our, our warehouses to pull these, you know, <clears throat> profiles out. Um, it might be upsetting, right? To, to kind of spend your hard-earned money. I understand that, but hopefully you can kind of follow the journey and, and hopefully if you're collecting along the way, you can kind of go back to the other chapters. If one of them isn't your favorite and say, well, I really like this one. He didn't do great on that one, but just seeing the, the opportunity to follow a whiskey journey, I think is really cool. Um, and to your point, what, what Beryl's doing as well, it, it's its own kind of thing. And it's, it's bringing new people in because it's differentiated flavor and it's just making sure the right people and different people uh, get a chance to taste those things, right? It, it's not for necessarily, I don't want somebody saying, I quit drinking Booker's and started drinking Little Book. I don't want that, right? To drink Booker's. Uh, Little Book is about bringing new people in. And if you guys like Booker's and you, you drink <clears throat> Little Book, that's great, right? It's something we can talk about is if you tell me you're a Booker's drinker and then you tell me your opinion about Little Book, I know you've really assessed that whiskey probably because that's a heavy hitter to kind of, to say is your favorite, right? So that it's a different kind of conversation, but it's still what I enjoy, right? Is is pe hearing people's opinion of whiskey, whether you're new to the industry or if you've been been drinking uh, our products or or any of any American whiskey for since you've been been able to, right? You know what's dope? What's dope is like to Jeff's point, right? Talking about the variances between the chapters, like some people feel and some people not. And I have to associate this because I was thinking about this as he was talking about it and watching Freddie's reaction. There's a little bit of Wu-Tang in what Freddie's doing, right? Because he got different styles, yo, from book to book to book. His, his Shaolin is strong, dog. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. So, you know, um, you know um, I've been hearing this term, like, you know, uh, fusion a lot lately. So is there a difference between fusion versus blending or they're like the same? 
it, it kind of depends on how people are using it. I mean, it, if you're saying fusing whiskeys, I would say yeah. that's blending. Yeah, that, that, that's just a different term. So we've always done blending for Jim Beam for everything because we don't rotate our barrels or haven't since the 50s or 60s, excuse me. Uh, we've always done batching where we take, for, for Jim Beam, it's our, our biggest batches. We'll take barrels from the top, middle, and bottom all over and blend them together. Because blending had such a bad rap in American whiskey, we just called it mingling. That, that's the term. If you watch videos of my granddad's mingling, he talks about mingling barrels, even my dad. Uh, um, so I think if you're talking about fusion, fusing whiskeys, that's blending. Now, that's blended, I have yeah. heard of people blending whiskeys and then putting them back into a barrel. To me, I would like to see that maybe be a definition of fusion where you're doing something and then you're bringing them together and then bringing something else with it. Um, yeah, it's not, in the barrel. Because I think it just brings about confusion and nobody, to me, transparency is what can keep bourbon very popular is people knowing what's in their glass. And if, you know, if you call it a fusion and I call it a blend and we're talking to somebody who's not so educated about whiskey, right. It's going to confuse the living hell out of them. Right. You That's know, correct. very centralized terms would be critical for me. So not sure your reference there, but I would say that is blending. Most likely, I would I'm say. Blend. Okay, I was, I was wondering, you know, because I, because you know, because I've, you know, I've been seeing that lately on a few bottles. I have too. Um, yeah, I I'm like, too. you know, is that different between you know blending or whatever? So I just wanted to see if you not, had not for me. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I, and I and our guy uh, Jeff from OC Bottle Shop got us kicked off. So this West is where we're going to ask for some audience participation. So we got our Black Bourbon Run, brethren. Um, y'all have a choice, all right? Y'all can either put the question in the chat yep. and, we'll, and we'll read it, or you can unmute yourself if you want and ask the question directly to, uh, to Freddie. And, and, while, and while we're waiting for our super shot audience, so, so Freddie, when you're blending, how do you know you got it right? Like, how do you know you hit a home run? That's the toughest thing to figure out because, honestly, a lot of people I work with, they're kind of like, all right, when were we done? Because it, it's splitting hairs <laughs> at, at, you know, at a certain time. And my wife, if you ask her, she'll say that because I bring whiskey home, let her try it as I'm working. And then as I finish as well, maybe two or three and let her pick which her favorite is. And there's been two chapters where she's like, one of these is very different. The other two is sometimes I'll throw one in there just to, to be different, but I'm really focusing on the other two. Um, and she'll be like, I know it's these two. You're splitting hairs here, by the way. I, I There's not a lot of difference there. And, and really having her kind of say that to me really grounds me because as much as she tastes whiskey with me, she's not as, as into it as I am or into it as I with my coworkers. So, you know, to have her a couple steps removed and say that sometimes it kind of makes me say, okay, let's think about where we're at here. Uh, but really it's it's going through a process of, you know, once you kind of figured out, like for chapter five, that I want to use malted rye, I want to use this young whiskey, uh, this young bourbon as well. It's about seeing how they work together. So doing the malted rye at a high percentage, doing the young bourbon at a high percentage, the five-year bourbon at a higher percentage, and seeing how they interact. You know, what's what's standing out more than than everything between all of them? What's very singular to when malted rye is the, the highest percent. And really from that point, I, I say this a lot and it, it, it goes back to 
it's very tactical at the early point, trying to kind of paint the corners of everything that's there. And then I like to let the whiskey do the talking. So if I'm, if I'm picking up on elements in my brain, is liking something, I kind of say that probably needs to, to be sticking out because I'm tasting it across three or four things. I really keep going back to, to what's that, what's in that. Um, and so then maybe it's trying to work around that element and figure that out. Um, nope. But so it's always been about, for me, letting the whiskey do, do the talking because trying to, to full whiskey and use, you know, numbers, percentages, I think at the end of the day, it, it, it's still something you got to drink, right? I can, I can only go so far on a paper. Um, you got it to put it on your lips. You guys have to, uh, you guys have to try it. I have to try it. It, it can look great on paper, but to get it in your mouth, it, it, that's what matters. Dope, dope. All right, so we have a question yep. from ahead. our from our guy Bali in Virginia. Bali. What's up, Bali? And then Black Bourbon Maverick, and then Squires. Talk to us. What's the deal, fam? Freddie, <laughs> 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 hey, um, this is this has been awesome. I I, I love the history, the recap, and. Uh, in full disclosure, the Maverick down right on my screen handed us a bottle during our run. And uh, I was probably in my double digits that day. Uh, this is probably like two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. It tasted fantastic. I didn't remember it like I do now. But my question to you, because I have a whole new appreciation. I used to be a Scotch guy until the uh, pandemic. And Delvin used yeah, used to be. Not anymore. I, like I, I flipped. <laughs> when you when you go into new chapters, do you go into them with like an intention? Like this next chapter is going to be a, be about X Y Z, or this next chapter is going to be a throwback, or I want to disrupt how things are going. Do you do you go into it with like an intent, or is there like some type of message you want to send? Usually, usually, yeah, yeah. And and to be honest with you, at times. I'm kind of, you know, everybody's kind of got that like shot list, right? And like somebody said, you can't do this. This will never happen, blah, blah, blah. And so I've got that as well. Again, I always let the whiskey do the talking, but it, it, I kind of, you know, if, if I can check those boxes off and say I can do something that, I, that someone said I couldn't, it just feels so great to do with that. So I'm not going to say there's not sometimes some of that stuff. But there is a lot of intent in what I'm doing. I, I said, like I said, I'm ex- trying to expand the portfolio portfolio of American whiskey flavor. I think, uh, again, no offense to scotch. I think there's more flavor opportunity in American whiskey. And I, th- I think American whiskey deserves to be world's whiskey. So that's kind of a journey I'm on trying to start. And that's why I was doing this, this fist pump, because <laughs> that's what I want to see is more people that drink scotch come into American whiskey because they have an appreciation for the differentiation of flavor that's available. Um, but so there, you know, some of it is, uh, you know, chapter three, I wanted to pay tribute to my grandfather because I knew I was not traveling, doing any promotion. Uh, my son was born right as I was kind of kicking off the development. We had figured out I, we were having a child. Then as I'm getting deeper into the work, I found out I'm having a son. I end up deciding to name him. He's named after me. I'm the fourth Frederick Booker, no, the fourth. I named wow. him after so he's Frederick Booker, no, the fifth, and he goes by Booker. So, uh, oh, dope. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Chapter three is called The Road Home. It meant a lot about oh. coming home, staying at, staying at home with my family, having a new son. My boss told me not to travel. I was using the whiskeys 
I referenced kind of talking about the ride in and out of work earlier. That to me, the road home is telling that story. I mean, I didn't say a lot about the music, but it, it, it does fit into that as well, right? I'm reflecting on things. <clears throat> I was doing a blend of, of whiskeys. My granddad talked about mingling and was trying to build up the integrity. So, you know, what would he really think? You know, I don't know what he would think about Little Book. That's the nickname he gave me. And I'm doing blended whiskey with it. Would he call me? He's like, gosh, damn, boy, that ain't what you're supposed to do with this. But <laughs> I, I think he'd be proud of everything I've done with it. And and so, you know, just like that, that was a, an ode to him and started from that scenario. And um, this one was about an invitation into to my kind of whiskeys. Chapter four was about an ode to my father and letting him. It's the first time I've ever let somebody pick a whiskey that went into Little Book besides myself. I let my dad taste a bunch of different whiskeys. Uh, he ended up kind of kind of blindly choosing seven-year-old Knob Creek uh, as his kind of favorite w- bourbon in our in our warehouse. I kind of just sent a bunch of samples home and, and picked that out for him. So that was an ode to him. Um, chapter one was, you know, about blending, right, and kind of just breaking that mode. And I think chapter two was about showing people uh, that that I'm about learning a lot about whiskey too. So there's a lot of different journeys there. Chapter two, I tasted Canadian whiskey while I was learning about Canadian whiskey. And some of that 40 year old, it was actually about 36 years old at the time. It was negative eight degrees in, in Alberta, Canada. And I'm sitting in a warehouse drinking this just floral bomb. I mean, just floral bomb. It smelled like a bouquet of almost roses. Mm. I wrote in my notebook at that time, would like to talk with team about how I could eventually use in Little Book. It was when Little Book Chapter One was launching. I was there. Um, and then it just happened that they had available whiskey at that time. I went on and told that story with Chapter Two. So there's always some kind of way in. You hit on a few very kind of out, out there topics there. You were saying that could Chapter Six is one of those that I think is is going to hit one of those things you said. I don't want to reveal it just yet. I just finalized. <laughs> I'll even show you. It is. Oh, oh, nice. After nice. six lab, lab sample, final standard right there. Oh, Yo, do you have, so just to piggyback, do you have any idea like how many chapters you're going to go before you make this book, like the novel, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> is it going to be like, it's going to be like something like not, not to, to bring another brand into it, but like, you know, um, comparable to like a master's keeper, you're going to do like a, a novel series. You, you feel me? Like when you put all these chapters oh, yeah. together and just There's, like bang the, bang the industry. I've done a lot of different kind of thinking about like, I, I like your word, use of the word novel there. I hadn't thought of Yo, that. yo, credit us with that joint hashtag this dog. You know, okay. you know what I'm saying? Shout us out. Okay. <laughs> That's so yours. For the anniversaries, right? You know, like we did the Booker's 25th, the Booker's 10th anniversary, uh, 30th anniversary, Knob Creek, same kind of deal. Mm-hmm. I've thought about doing something a little different outside of the box for, for how we kind of celebrate maybe that, you know, I don't even know what, what you would call it. Kind of like a, what's, what's an encyclopedia called as a collection, you know, where you got like the volume, Brit- like Britannica, volume. baby, it's the Britannica. <laughs> 10 would be volume, volume one, you know, like, yeah. like one through 10 is volume one. And that's yeah. the, the chapter 10, the 10th anniversary is kind of like the, the kind of end cap of that kind of story. Right. Oh, wow. I've kicked around a lot of different things. That, that's just one little T. I haven't locked in anything at all. So, uh, but all I'm, all I'm saying, if, if you choose cool. to use novel, if you choose to use oh, novel in this novel setting right here, good. it's 14 people who would like just get a little sample or like some complimentary bottles. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess the thing I'll say is novel makes me kind of think I'm I'm very tenured at what I'm doing. So if I, I wait a few years to, to maybe call a chapter or, or use the novel term, yeah. Don't get your hopes, you know, don't don't let it die in the next couple of years. You know, we, no, 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 no. We, we would like to think like this game is like long view. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're eight Still generations. Long, we're just long, learning. We're young I mean, in this. And we're appreciative of what you're doing. Yeah. We're making Knob Creek in the distillery today. It's going to sit in a barrel for nine years before we even think about putting it in a bottle. So, mm. you know, there's a... It's, the whiskey, to your point, it's a long game. The whiskey industry yeah. is a long game. So it's dope. That's what I mean, people are like, well, when's this malted rye coming out? I'm like, calm down. It's, it's right. three years old, right? We're playing the I don't, this is the, the, the oldest iteration I've, I've got of it right now. So yeah, we're going to let it see where, where it, to talk by itself. It, it might need a lot more age, right? Nice. You never, yeah. So let's kick it over to our guy, Black yeah. Bourbon Maverick, who put this together for us. So Black Bourbon Maverick, what's your question? All right, so you guys asked some good questions already. Kind of stole some of mine, but it's all good. Uh, um, <laughs> so, like we mentioned, Masters Keep, and there's other uh, distilleries that have, like, special limited releases, like Four Roads of Limited Edition. You got B-Tag. You got the Pappy line that comes out every year. Do you consider or would you consider Little Book to be kind of like the upper echelon limited edition brand or product coming out of Jim Beam? Right now, yes, yeah. <laughs> There's some things I'm working on that are, that are going to maybe can sit up there with it um, or, and will sit with it. Um, there's one we, we're going to release. We kind of pulled back just due to travel being very um, obviously different now, right, than it used to be. In, in a global travel retail space, you know, in airports, my dad and I worked on uh, uh, bringing together two kind of liquid streams we both really liked right around 15 years old. Um, and called it Jim, Jim Beam Lineage. Uh, to me, that one right there really plays in that same kind of mantra as Little Book. Um, there's another brand that I'm, I'm working on um, that, that's going to launch. It's really paying tribute back to the roots, uh, back to Jacob Beam, who was my great, 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 great grandfather, who wow. in 1795 came to Kentucky on a land grant uh, for serving in the military. And... Um, so th that one, some of the releases will play in that space and some of the releases may play at a lower price point, kind of where it's more readily available. I think maybe even a wider story to tell, but, uh, and, and that one just to go on, it, it's, it's out there a lot. It's called uh, Hardens Creek um, is the name, name of that brand. So it'll be dropping out here really quickly. If you look around, you can see labels online all day. People have already seen a lot of the labels we're going to be doing with the TTB stuff, you know, how they can, can get on there and kind of look at those as they're approved. So um, there's a lot of stuff we're working on that's, that's really going to start raising that bar in different areas. But back to your, your question right now, yes, I think that's, that's kind of what Little Book is playing, but also in a very different way, right? Because it's not about necessarily the, the master's keep of our best collection of bourbon, but American whiskey. So it's very differentiated in that element, but but that's definitely the kind of role it's playing for us right now is that that kind of hopefully that attention grabber. But yeah, let's, uh, let's go. Let's go to the uh, to the man himself, our guy, Von Ghost. <laughs> What's your question, dog? <laughs> hey, pretty up, man. I'm really enjoying everything today. This is Von Ghost, by the way. First, I want to uh, thank you for supporting me 
in my uh, efforts to put a cube in a glass. Hell they, yeah. Yeah, they, they tear me up around here, man. So I appreciate that someone had my back on this. Blast but, um, Hey, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's not here, but he's got your back, too, all day. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm respect this, respect to your pops, Freddie, but blaspheme. Right. <laughs> I'll, refer- I'll be referring to you a lot to the group. But um, so, you know, speaking of that with a cube, I'm a, my palate is, you know, 90 to 100, something like that when I'm drinking 90, 95. What, um, what coming from you guys would you recommend for somebody that if I want to drink something like that, neat? Water. Okay. I'll be honest with you. Um, so it might be a little bit tough right now, but we've done on Jim Beam releases at 90 that are unfiltered. Uh, we did a, a kind of repeal batch that's kind of like the repeal of prohibition. So unfiltered at 90 proof. Uh, we did a distiller's cut on Jim Beam as well. And uh, that one kind of would probably be very suitable at 90 proof. But another one, I'll be honest with you, it's a sleeper in our, it's a single barrel brand now. We transitioned Baker's. Uh, so Baker Beam was my granddad Booker's first cousin. Still alive. I actually just visited the distillery a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice. uh, it's named after him. We transitioned that to a single barrel brand and it's sitting at seven years. So your, your, your whiskey that's readily available for that brand is seven years at 107 proof, so a little bit higher, but at that seven-year mark, I think there's a lot more flavor from that barrel that kind of tones down some of that, that stuff that's probably putting you in that 90 to 100. So while it's a little outside of what you're saying you like, take a little chance on me right there and maybe try a Baker's if you get a, get a get one there. And I got a hashtag for you, so if you're you're catching some shit, so my dad kind of coined this term. It's just, He just says, drink it any damn way you please. So anytime you catch some shit. Just throw it out there. Fred says, drink it any damn way you please. <laughs> so so that's a Baker seven year, right? That's coming at a huh? 107, right? That's seven. Okay, gotcha. Nice. So it really, uh, to be honest with you, if you if you get lucky, we, we've we dropped a 13-year-old kind of limited release of that. Um, it's It's been out about, about a year now, but if Can't you see it. one, I was going to say, it's in a silver bottle. If you ever see one, grab it because that thing is, it's in a silver bottle package but that is gold i'm telling you mm. really good <laughs> gold really. jerry gold <laughs> all right we we going we going to find it all right so we got time for one more question we're going to go to our guy the illest villain illest villain talk to us what's, what's up, the deal what's up, fam? hey what's up aka diy common that's it <laughs> yeah. he, he used to build her <laughs> <laughs> hey freddie hey thanks for joining us tonight really appreciate it really appreciate the stories and the knowledge and stuff uh what i wanted to ask is you know your distillery has a broad spectrum of different uh, for lack of a better word brands you got bakers you got bookers little books so on and so on if you could name a daily drinker or daily sipper a hey you know long week friday oh yeah hey this is what i want to share with a friend over the fire and a holiday and a once in a lifetime achievement what of your brand would those be okay so i'll say for that last one there that, that to me little book or a Booker's, uh, those are the two biggest for me for, for that kind of lifetime achievement, that real reflection moment. I like, to be honest with you, uh, New Year's Day, I like to sip a little book or a Booker's because, you know, you're kind of stick, starting off a new year, um, just, just kind of reflecting on, on good whiskey. It, it, it never hurts. 
but for every day to kind of back all the way back to the start, I would say for me, it kind of sits somewhere between probably a, a Jim Beam Black and a Knob Creek. I'm, I'm really in the Knob Creek area right now for me. Uh, but I think I, I really do. I think Jim Beam Black is a great, affordable daily drinker. I also think Basil Hayden, if you like a little bit lighter proof, is as well. Um, and Knob Creek. Those would be my three kind of go-tos on a on a daily. And then getting together with the boys or, or, or having a, a drink on a Friday night or, or on the weekend. I see that Mob Deep con. I like Mob Deep. Yeah, beer. exactly. I was going to tell you. We, we need to tell you, you know, you need to refer to that as Mob Deep. <laughs> we, we call we call Knob Creek Mob Deep. That's exactly. good. I like it. So, so you can use that going forward because we were That's like, yo, he need to quit playing. That's a good one. I'd probably Cheap kick one. it to like a Baker's, like I just mentioned, or a Knob Creek single barrel where a little bit higher proof. Yeah. Uh, but you're looking at something that where every time you pick up a bottle, because it is a single barrel product, you're going to get subtle nuances different. So, you know, it's something to talk about to taste with your with your boy, with your boys, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, man, because um, I have that Knob Creek 15 year, man. I, I'm stunt. looking, just looking forward to cracking. So. <laughs> That's stunt. a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I'll be honest. If you like that one, in the next couple of years, we got a couple other releases on Knob Creek that will really grab your attention. You'll really okay. have some appreciation for So, Well, I'm waiting for a good like time to crack it. I'm waiting for a good time. Yep. I, have, yeah. I have a quick question. Just one quick question. Yeah. Um, for the cigar smokers in the, in the, in the joint, if you're going to pair uh, a smoke with that little book, what, what do you recommend if you smoke or... I'll tell you what. So I smoke some cigars. Uh, a lot of them are gifted to me, whether it's I, so I, there's a few that I really like. So uh, a Bellows. I like a Bellows Mojito. That's uh, basically a Cuban grown American rolled uh, to, I mean, tobacco grown in Cuba, rolled here in America down in Little Cuba or in, in Little Havana in, in, in Miami. Uh, and then the other one I like, I, I, so I've done a few barrel selections and visited this place called Corona Cigar Company down in Tampa. Uh, they've got them in Tampa, Orlando, a couple of locations down there. <laughs> but they grow their own tobacco as well and, and roll their own cigars. They sell, you know, all kinds of cigars, but their FSG line, I, I really like this, the way it, it burns. And it, uh, it actually, that's what we paired their, their last couple of Knob Creek single barrels with was some of those, and I really fell in love with that line. So, and you could get those. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I don't like a real heavy cigar. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like a medium. Meat to me, a medium to to light even is is great because I always like the. I'm a whiskey guy, obviously, so I'm going to go to. I like the nuances of the whiskey that are changing in those big bold cigars. Mm. Now, if I'm not drinking whiskey, I'll, I'll have any cigar there is. Right, if if everybody's having a puff, I'll. I'll smoke a, <laughs> a big, strong, you know, th thick, thick smoke one. But if I'm drinking whiskey and really trying to enjoy it, it's kind of in that medium, uh, medium range. So I'm not not big on those big, big, heavy ones. No doubt. Uh, that's dope. That's dope. All right. So we, I know I said that was the last question, Freddie. Yeah. If you got time for one more. I got I wanna, time for one more, always. I, yeah, because the guy who started is going to wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to our guy, Jeff Hill from OC Bottle Shop. Talk, talk to us, Jeff. Got you. All right. So this is kind of a business question here. So, uh oh, hustle man, hustle man. I need to know this. Do you have any pool with the Centauri boys and their Japanese whiskey? They need to come up Ooh. off those allocash, uh, allocations. You know, I need to get that Yamazaki. I need to get that in there. And hey, I, I sell a ton of beam, regular beam. Um, so 
but they're the guys are the only ones that don't have the system laid out. It just it comes in, but it trickles in. I needed to, I needed to shower. <laughs> he needed I, to shower. I need that. They I need that twelve, that eighteen. What I need to do? They march to the beat of their own drum, man. I can. I mean, I love working with them, but they control it. <laughs> they keep it tight. They did a Yamazaki fifty-five, and me and my dad. Uh, we were having an email with their master blender, uh, Shinji. I had sent him a bottle of Little Book, Chapter 5, actually, and asked you know his uh, assessment of it. And he... Uh, in, in, Did he send it back? Yeah, he, I, they, well, I copied my dad on it, huh. and dad kind of jokingly wrote back, you know, we kind of have a, a good good friendship with him. He said, Shinji, if you come across an extra bottle or even a small sample of that 55, Freddie and I would love to try it. You gotta uh, let the guys know how much the fifty-five goes for. I don't. Yet, but let them let the guys know how much that fifty-five goes for. I don't know. I I ain't even looked at. That's it. crazy. I, was, I didn't even want to look it up to be honest. Yeah, uh, it's at seventy k for that bottle. Jesus. I will say though, when I visited Japan and they have opened up their library, and I have tasted some amazing whiskey from them while I've been over there. Uh, oh, I as bet. Far as the, the allocations of the finished bottles now. I won't hoard them. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll, I'll take my I'll take my samples in Japan. Uh, they had done some really unique stuff at, at some of their anniversaries across their kind of uh, across Yamazaki and and the Tori families of whiskey making history. Just very differentiated things that they've just kind of saved bottles of that just are just amazingly differentiated and, and wow. Dope. Yo, Freddie, one quick question before we wrap, and we appreciate you for coming on, joining us yeah, on the Black and Brown yeah, podcast. And, and and before I ask this question, I just want to say we're coming down in September with the Black Bourbon Run 3 again, and we're definitely going to reach out to you. Hopefully we can yeah. hang out. Even if we can't spend time with you at the distillery or you got work going on, we just want to kick it for a few minutes. So the yeah. last question we want to ask, it came from our guy, Brandon, one of the cigar boys. What inspired the bottle and the box design that you put the little book in. So it's kind of like, you know, if you look at it, it's very similar to the Booker's packaging. Booker's comes yeah. in a wooden box. Uh, it's the same exact bottle. My granddad really thought wine bottles had a very premium look and feel. And that's mm. kind of, so that's what that you would actually call this is a wine bottle design. Oh, okay. Um, and so with it being little book, I wanted the packaging to pay, to pay some tribute back to, to Booker's as well. So the ribbons uh, come from, from Booker's. Um, the kind of wax seal is, is kind of a thought of Booker's. It's got a wax stamp of a B right here. Uh, so really oh. it's kind of a modern, kind of more innovative take on a, or, or a retake on the Booker's packaging. You can see the, the color of the label is very similar, but this one kind of swoops around versus is Booker's is just kind of straight. Um, I did did the hang tag on all of them. At times, we've put hang tags of info for Booker's, uh, but a lot of it was just kind of like a reimagining of that Booker's packaging. And I really like, so I wanted to do it in a box, but I wanted to do a see-through box so you could see all the way through. Uh, the, the cost of that got ridiculous, so we ended up not being able to do it. Uh, but in doing it, we were just kind of exploring different stains. And when they showed me that little book box where they had had basically uh, burned in the logo and the little book words, words on the side and then dipped it in that. I, I can't remember the, what he called that, but I think it's like a dark gray is it's not black. It's actually a dark gray stain. I thought it mm -hmm. was black, but that black, I seen that box. I thought, man, that is just, cause I just love that look with the gold. I knew we were using some gold foil 
and it just kind of stuck from that point. But it really, it's just kind of a modern or updated take on the Booker's packaging. There's a lot of very similar elements to the two packages. Just fire. Just fire. Yes, yep. That's dope. All right, man. So you got to come back and join us again. Maybe we can yeah, do it live sure. when, we, when we come down to Kentucky. Yes, sir. So I'm your man, A. Colbert, The Plug. I'm joined my cousin, W.H. Stevens. All right, man, Devil Joyce, People Choice. And if he was an MC, his name would be Royal MC. But he's Mr. Freddie No. Thank you for joining <laughs> us on the podcast, B. Yeah, man. It's great talking to you, Freddie. Yo, shout out to the BBR fam, yo. Yeah, appreciate you, That would wrap us when you're ready, dog. So thanks for coming out, Freddie. That was dope. Black Bourbon Maverick, thanks for setting this up. Black Bourbon Run, I appreciate y'all. This is the wrap to our Joe DiMaggio season, season five. We're coming back next in two weeks for our season six, our Bill Russell. So look out, stay black, keep it brown.